This is the Italian American Podcast, the first podcast dedicated to helping Italian Americans learn about their heritage. We talk to experts, authors, and everyday Italian Americans on all things Italian from traditions, culture, food, genealogy, travel, and more. I'm your host, Anthony Fasano, and I have with me my co-host, Dolores Alfieri. And in this episode, we speak with Ray Guarini, founder of Italian Enclaves. And in our story segment, we're going to hear from one of our listeners, Joseph Blanda Pinta. Kuda Skiami, a listener who tells a really, really nice story about going back to his ancestral village. Dolores, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well, Anthony. This is um, a nice, relaxed episode with Ray. He has this great, I mean, actually some of our listeners might know very well the project that he works on and just not know that Ray is behind it. It's called Italian Enclaves, which we'll talk about when we introduce him. The major presence is on social media, an Instagram account where Ray basically travels through the country and documents Italian enclaves, both those that are still vibrant and both those that are um, disappearing. One other thing that I want to mention, and we'll have more details for you on, a, on an upcoming episode, but we're putting together a tour. I'm not going to give you all the details yet. It's going to be around the holiday season. It's going to be in the Bronx. So maybe that's a hint. Um, and it'll be available. It's a huge hint. <laughs> it'll be available <laughs> to our to our listeners. And we're going to make it available, as we promised, first to our new neighborhood members, which we're excited about building the new neighborhood. If you haven't heard of it yet, you could check it out at italianneighborhood.com. This is something that Dolores and I feel passionate about, the fact that we don't have these physical neighborhoods anymore. At least we don't have a lot of them left where Italians gather and get to communicate and get to sit out on the porch and talk. Um, but we, we're trying to recreate that online because that's where you know our generation has gone online. And so far we've done it. And honestly, you know, what right now is a private Facebook group that we connect with our members and we talk and we share memories has become really amazing. I mean, I, I don't think Dolores or I thought that it would be as busy as it is the group, but it's it's amazing. There's so much going on every day. There's just a lot of conversations, a lot of talk about just being Italian American, people sharing things, people asking questions. Oh, you make your wine this way. You know, we, we used to do it this way. Anybody have any suggestions of where I can get X ingredient or, you know, this item. And, and it's not just about food, although, of course, as Italian Americans, it's a lot about food, but um, genealogy, family research, events that are coming up. Does anybody live in this neighborhood? I'm going to be traveling there, you know, in the next coming weeks. Just so much going on. It's really been great. Yeah. And also what we've had lately, which is interest, uh, certainly of interest to me, is members and their children you know, sharing in traditions. We've had a few pictures of them, you know, making, whether it's making the sausage together, making the wine together. That's right. And that's really the whole part. One of the big missions of what we're trying to do is help people to be able to pass down the traditions, um, you know, whether it's going to be in, a, in a, a different way because, you know, different things are happening with technology, but nonetheless, they're, they're sharing the tradition. So it's just something that we're passionate about. So I wanted to mention it again. It's italianneighborhood.com. If you want to join us, um, we would, we really would love to have you join on. So before we introduce our guests for the episode, we'd like to offer a brief word from our sponsor, the National Italian American Foundation. I'm John Viola, president of the National Italian American Foundation, proud supporters of the Italian American podcast. At NIAF, we know there's nothing more important than family, and we invite you to be a part of ours. We work hard to protect our great heritage, to promote the Italian language, to build stronger ties between Italy and the United States. 
and to serve as your voice in our nation's capital. Most importantly, with over a million dollars a year in scholarships and grants, we provide young Italian-Americans help in earning a solid education and becoming future leaders for our community. To find out more about how your support serves the community, visit us online at www.niaf.org and become a part of the NIAF family. All right, now I'd like to introduce our guest for today's episode. Ray Guarini is a cultural preservationist, and his current project is titled Italian Enclaves. Through Italian Enclaves, Ray seeks to preserve vanishing Italian-American neighborhoods throughout the country through photographs, stories, and other means of documentation. Guarini is currently expanding the project to include the distribution of high-quality, traditional Italian ingredients to help Italian-Americans preserve their cooking heritage. Dolores. All right, Anthony, I'm going to send us in with a quote as usual. And I have to say that I think this quote is up there as uh, at least my top three favorite quotes we've used in any episode so far. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. I'm going to have to go around <laughs> quoting it now just in my everyday life. This quote is from Gustav Mahler. Tradition is not the worship of ashes but the preservation of fire. Okay, everyone. Now I'm here with Ray Guarini. He is a cultural preservationist and his current project is titled Italian Enclaves. Ray, welcome to the Italian American podcast. Thanks for having me, Dolores. So I have been following your project on Instagram, and we'll link to that for our listeners so they can find you, of course. But you, there's a very vibrant presence there. But why don't you tell our listeners in your own words what exactly this project is and how you got started on it? Sure. So about five years ago, I couldn't help but notice that the it was almost the ubiquitous Italian-American or Italian presence in Brooklyn uh, was starting to really fade away pretty rapidly in all of the neighborhoods. And Brooklyn, I'd say, is probably known to have more Italian neighborhoods or more representation of the Italian culture than a lot of other places. The Northeast is very densely populated by Italians that are all throughout the Northeast. But particularly in Brooklyn, I noticed that there was sort of a exodus, if you would. I mean, it's been happening for many, many years. And certainly some neighborhoods have turned over, so to speak, a lot uh, earlier than others. But Nevertheless, it started to really seem as if it was happening at a much quicker pace over the course of, I'd say, between 2000, just at the turn of the millennium. So I I really took it upon myself in 2012 to go out and find out whether or not this was happening in other Italian enclaves throughout America and also to really identify each and every Italian enclave throughout America. And as I started to do this, and do my research really mainly through uh, online resources and Google and that sort of thing, I started to uncover the fact that there are tons and tons of Italian small enclaves or larger ones throughout the country. Even throughout this whole process, I realized that some neighborhoods have neighborhoods within them. Some might refer to as micro neighborhoods. So I had my work cut out for me. Um, So I, I essentially didn't really know where to start. It was sort of overwhelming. So I figured, and this was just really shooting from the hip, as I have a full-time career, that I would dance between raindrops, proverbially speaking. I have a family, (laughs) of course, also. So I figured that on the weekends and that sort of thing, where I take days off here and there, um, and I get this accomplished and wrap it up within a couple of years. 
So it was a noble, definitely a noble goal. Unfortunately, I didn't realize the breadth of uh, what I was trying to accomplish. So uh, I set upon New England as my first place to visit, and that was in 2012. And what I would do is just tr- travel up to, uh, for example, the North End in Boston, Rhode Island, and take my camera along with me to photo document, as I call it, these places, these neighborhoods, the businesses, the churches, everything that could identify the uh, the crux of the Italian culture and the visual aspects of it that still remain. And um, thousands and thousands of photographs later and road trips and airline flights and trains, you name it, at almost every mode of transportation except boat so far, um, I have gone across the country, coast to coast, everything in between, with the exception of several places that I, I plan on uh, reaching this year. And with my camera in hand, I took photos of all these places and tried to capture within these photos the essence of the Italian-American Catholic culture that is still remaining, but also in a way where it is to preserve the businesses that are still here by make, giving them exposure, giving them a platform for uh, people to realize uh, that these businesses are still there, or, or at least also realize that these other neighborhoods exist, whereupon some of us don't even realize. For example, an Italian person that I met in the North End in Boston was extremely intrigued to, to find out that there were neighborhoods in places like Wilmington, Delaware, or even more obscure places in northern Pennsylvania like Scranton and Wilkes Bar. So um, it's been really fun because I got to, along the way, educate other people, educate myself, and have a great time doing it. I mean, it sounds like an adventure for sure, especially when you start something and you you think it's going to kind of be this contained, I don't want to say easy, but, you know, I'll just do this for a little while. I'll get them all documented, but it's, (laughs) it's obviously grown. I mean, that happened with the show. I remember when Anthony called me. And asked me if I wanted to co-host. I thought, oh, sure, this, yeah, this would be great. I'll just do this little hobby, you know. And it's in two years, it's <laughs> like another full-time job that we're—it's <laughs> grown in a way you can't even imagine. But I think that's what happens exactly. when you're passionate, you know. It, it just expands. What's the reaction of people when when you're kind of down there in you know taking pictures and documenting in their neighborhoods? That's a great question. So. Uh, I'd have to say the reaction all differs upon the places that I'm taking the photographs. So, for example, just to reflect, in Chicago, going to Taylor Street, Taylor Street is referred to as, I guess, kind of uh, their little Italy synonymous to our Mulberry Street. And um, there are remnants of the Italians that were there in, in, in large quantities at one point. But uh, again, like most neighborhoods, they're fading. And the, the people who remained uh, were kind of leery. I'm walking around with a camera, I'm taking photographs mm. of buildings. It just It's not something you see every day, especially in smaller, closer-knit neighborhoods. Although the larger these areas are, and the more metro uh, they are, the more accustomed people, I guess, are used to seeing people there for tourism. But right. uh, if you go out really to more obscure places like Wilmington, Delaware, that that was a, a really interesting. I mean, people were very curious as to what I was doing. People often ask, what are, you, what are you up to? What are you doing? And it's tough to get great angles uh, of some of the buildings and, and the inanimate objects that you're taking photographs of because there are always cars in the way, things like that. So you are your presence no, is known. I'm standing there in the middle of the street with a camera. It's hard to miss. 
But for the most part, people are intrigued, and I've been very warmly welcomed. And I've got to say, for example, one of the most uh, incredible experiences was in Kansas City, Missouri. I'm just walking through the, the little uh, Italy in Kansas City, taking photographs. A gentleman came out of his home, was just curious as to why I was there. I just told him I, exactly what I told you as to what I was doing. And he, came, he said, one second, I want to I go into my home and get something for you. He came out with a photo album of tons and tons of photographs of the neighborhood in its former glory, wow. uh, pictures from the past. He was so involved. He actually led me around the neighborhood, introduced me to tons of people <laughs> and, and gave me stories. He was able to even get me into the church on the day when you know, the church was closed. So it was just, it was wonderful. People were so welcoming to it. Right. Once they know what you're doing, they can kind of warm up a bit. Exactly. Well, I'll tell you, I never, exactly. I never I haven't had a harder time doing this show than when we went to the Bronx. We went to Arthur Avenue to do a show. Oh boy. Oh my gosh. Sure. I mean, I had, cause you know, you have a microphone, that's one thing. So in, in our case, you know, not just, and we're taking pictures and we have a camera and people, they, at first that they did not want to talk to us. And I had to yeah. kind of like turn off the mic and, you know, even like throw a little Italian words in there and be like, I'm on your side. I'm not, yeah. <laughs> it's OK. You can trust me. <laughs> right. But it's true. In some of the neighborhoods, you know, the small like the more close knit ones, you know, they're like, well, what are you doing? Why are you here? Right. Exactly. It's funny. There's a, a, an innate like suspicion. Suspicion. But, yeah. Uh, once you break the ice. Exactly. Once you break the ice, though. People are very warm and welcoming. Right, then your family, um, I, you I never th- get rid of them. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I've stayed in touch with many of these people, whether it's email, phone, or whatever have you. And it's just been, it's been glorious. You, you really establish relationships with people you wouldn't sure. ordinarily have met. Right. It's just a lot of fun. And uh, so, you, I mean, I would imagine, especially with what you do, it's, uh, it's a blessing to really have a passion. It's just a blessing to be able to do something you love. Well, tell me a little bit about the personal reasons why you started this. I know you're you're a Brooklyn native, so I, I know you know you mentioned in the sure. intro that you're you were seeing these neighborhoods kind of diminish. But personally, I mean, why does that even matter to you? That's a great question. Um, as far as I'm concerned, uh, well, I have a six year old son, and it really it was kind of shocking to consider the fact that it will be most likely be a, real, a reality for him to not be able to experience the same types of uh, experiences that I had as a kid. And that I that So in order to capture the, to the best of my ability, photographs that can, you know, each, each photo has, you know, it could tell a thousand words, uh, you know, as the cliche goes, but uh, the truth is it really, it really can. You can put a scrapbook of photographs together that can, that can really tell a story much better than you or I could if we took all the time to do it because there are details in that in, in those photographs and so forth. And it also leads one to use his or her imagination as to the backstories behind those photographs or associate some sort of other uh, sensory like like smells and, and tastes of uh, and, and it just jogs your memory. But if you don't have any sort of direct experience, looking at a photograph could be a cold um, or, or a detached experience. You can look at a photograph, not identify with it. So I wanted my son to be able to have the opportunity, and, and not just him, of course, anyone else in his generation or so or, or generations uh, hereafter, give them the opportunity to see or experience video of aspects of their culture or, or just the Italian culture in general, if they're not Italian, that are really fading away so that they can relive it in a way. And they could also connect the dots and see about 
uh, the hardships that existed for some of these people that no longer exist today and the stories that, that, that have been long forgotten, if you can retell them, it, it, could, it could really spark um, within upcoming generations an appreciation for the process an immigrant had in this country at one time uh, to plant a seed, so to speak, in, in a foreign land and grow uh, a family and grow a community and preserve a culture from another continent. So the only way I, I knew how to do that was to go out and, and actually take pictures and, and, frankly, interview some people that aren't going to be here. The, the objects, the buildings themselves, the businesses, and the people that run them uh, are, frankly, not going to be here in so many years. So for me, I'm a history buff. I love history. And I figured that uh, it would be really, it would be a gift to the world or, or whomever may, may find this interesting to compose a catalog of these places with photographs and video and details of these events that happen, like feasts that, for example, uh, processions, uh, saint days, and um, other such things like culinary uh, aspects of their, of their culture and uh, all sorts of things. But most importantly, I think, through having done this, is that I was able to really see that there's a, I mean, just the church is the backbone of every one of these communities, and it still is. Now, as the churches are starting to close, uh, the archdiocese has made this decision over and over in a lot of different places to close churches where the congregations are in a strong. You find that uh, that is really the uh, the nail in the coffin, so to speak, for a lot of these communities. Their churches bring them back to their communities. Uh, even if they've left long ago, so it's a common denominator, uh, common denominator for a lot of people. And I see that myself with having seen feasts that have uh, I've gone to since I'm a child in Brooklyn and so forth. Uh, either the feasts aren't there anymore, or they're just different. So there's a huge necessity I feel to capture this all photographically on video and to correspond a story to it in writing, so that it could always be preserved forever. And it's interesting to compare these photographs to photographs from the last century, and it'll certainly be interesting to compare fo these photographs that I'm taking now and over the last few years to what these neighborhoods are going to look like over the course of the next uh, this century and the next one. So the other thing is putting these photographs and videos on my Facebook and Instagram accounts have also enabled me to thread in one of the, 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 the most important pieces of the fabric of all this, which are the stories and the comments that people are making that are that belong to my following, the fan base. These are the people that I really want to hear from. And these are the stories that are being interwoven into the posts that I make on social media where they explain some of their experiences and they give their two cents. And that is really what is given this character. And I wish to take all of these comments and stories and personal experiences and references and tie them all into a written book. And it will be a great, I think it'll be a great opportunity to get stories and hear things from people in Cleveland, Pittsburgh, so on, due to the fact that social media gives us that platform. And that's right. revolutionary. And I think that'll, that'll probably set me apart from a lot of other authors and what have you, because I am really making a storyline based upon other people's experience that I can extrapolate from my social media account along with the photographs that I've taken. I let them tell the story, basically. That's great. That's that's terrific. And I look forward to seeing that uh, when it's finished. You know, a big 
thing we talk about in the show, and I think just the show's existence itself, is that it's important to preserve the past. It's important for us to talk about it. But it doesn't really serve us in the long run to just kind of wallow in nostalgia. We need to, as a community, be alive now and look to the future and understand how we can continue to be a community and keep our culture alive. So what aspect of what you're doing do you think is forward looking? Do you know what I mean? That can keep. Sure. Yeah. That can keep the the community going in whatever fashion, probably not in the way you're, you know, you're documenting uh, going forward. That's a brilliant question. And I just wanted to take the opportunity to commend you on what you're doing. Because in many, many, many ways, you are a preservationist also by giving life on a different platform, if you would, by having this podcast and the Skype and the show that you're doing. It really, it, it allows kind of like a, a um, an indefiniteness, if you would, or it gives it a perpetuity. And that's really key. You're giving these communities an opportunity to live on virtually. And that's kind of what I'm doing. I wish to hopefully uh, preserve these communities, not in a brick and mortar fashion where, you know, we're drawing lines and, and creating borders. And like you said, getting wrapped up in nostalgia and, and, and that could often kind of uh, manifest into bitterness right? because people wish things remain the right. same. Or just and sadness, these are, these you are, know? Exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know, look, I mean, with anything, you know, certain things are bittersweet. Memories are always going to strike a chord one way or the other or both ways. And so I think that there is a, a great sense of nostalgia when looking at these photographs. So to be able to take that and channel it into uh, a positive, the positive, I guess, the takeaway, forward-looking takeaway here is that we are creating a virtual space on this site or, or these different platforms through social media where people can go and obviously look at these photographs. But mostly I am posting current photographs and it gives people kind of like an in the moment, or if you would, it enlightens people to the fact that, Hey, this, there's still something left. Let's not, let's not play the violin. Let's, let's get out <laughs> there and experience it. Let's go see, Hey, you know what? Let's get in a, let's get in the car and go on a family road trip. Where are we going to go? Uh, I don't know. Let's go up to New England. Let's check out the North End. Let's right. check out Federal Hill. So it, in that respect, it gives you the opportunity to take action and go see it yourself. Because if you didn't know it was there, it, this could be like a virtual tour guide. And, and, and also kind of, you know, it takes this and propels it into the future. It propels the concept of our people and the traditions that, you know, we've lived with. Uh, and evolved with for uh, hundreds of years in America for almost 150 years in certain cases. And it gives it the opportunity to keep it going. Like, for, for example, a very good example is the Julio Society. I'd like to give these gentlemen such such an applause because they they really are, are the true meaning of preservationists. They, they, they maintain this amazing Julio statue, and they dress it, and they, they, they all practice lift the lift, and they, they also... Uh, let the children take part. There's a children's Julio also. And that, that I think is that's that's the key to the future is to take and usher in the new generations into the same traditions that we grew up with. And if we can do that successfully, then we don't nobody has to really get too bent out of shape. Nostalgia wise, they don't nobody has to really wind up and sit there and wallow, as you say, or lament so they can you know that there's a way to take part in this past in the present and, and propel it into the future. 
And the Julio Society is a prime example of that. Harlem, Williamsburg, Franklin Square, Long Island. Okay, these men are absolutely uh, incredible. And they have their children now taking over for them moving forward. So I, I, agree. Give, I give them all a lot of credit. I agree. I mean, yeah. It's a good example. And when we were recently at the feast in Williamsburg for Our Lady of Mount Carmel and the, for the lifting of the Gilio, and you can see it in those men, there's there, that's like devotion and a lot of pride. And yep. it's a lot of work. It was so hot that day, <laughs> just standing there. I know there. my son did it. Did, yeah, you told me that. That's right. That's right. The children's <laughs> one. And I said, so how beautiful for him. He Isn't sits. It it's a really gorgeous tradition. And, you know, that feast in particular, I, you know, again, everyone always says, oh, it used to be bigger. But you know what? It was pretty big. It was packed. And I'll say yes. another thing that nearly everybody there was Italian. And that yes. was a yes. really beautiful feeling. Like, I, I mean, in, not to knock Hoboken. I love Hoboken, but we were there the other sure. weekend and there was the St. Anne's Feast and we kind of took sure. a stroll through and it felt like nobody there was Italian. That right. wonder if it was just on the that's night that's, we were there. That's true. Yeah. Have you and found it's funny, that though, to be true? Yeah. Dolores, I'll tell you this. Uh, uh, you know, well, growing up in Bay Ridge, I guess the, the easiest feast to identify with was the Santa Rosalia Feast on 18th Avenue. And the same thing has happened there. I mean, just there's a huge shift, obviously, in, in uh, demographically, and, and that that will obviously have a huge effect on the turnout of the feast. And also, keep in mind. So it's funny you mentioned Williamsburg. Williamsburg as uh, there's people in in my side of Brooklyn, South Brooklyn, who will refer to Williamsburg as the other Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And these, these are very old fashioned Italian people, and uh, they call it the other Brooklyn. <laughs> and um, I guess I guess it's because, you know, Williamsburg's onto itself in a lot yeah. of ways. And it really borders Queens. And I guess they identify a little bit closer to like uh, Middle Village. And so Bay Ridge, Bensonhurst, Diker Heights, right, kind of all grouped together. And within that is Bath Beach, Gravesend. And so that's how we identify uh, Williamsburg's always been kind of off to the side in their own world. And it's funny, there are people. And you just look everywhere you go. There are people who don't know what's over the fence to their own backyard, but there are people and God bless them. But there are people who don't even know about Williamsburg. They live in Bay Ridge and Dyke Heights and vice versa. There's people in Williamsburg who aren't aware that there's an Italian neighborhood in Bath Beach, to give you an example. So but Williamsburg is really like a sleeper Italian neighborhood. Not a lot of people really know about it. Mm, and it's been there for over 100 I didn't years. Know that. OK, it's interesting because I've known about it. So, I mean, it just could be. Sure. But I didn't realize that it was kind sure. of a sleeper place. Well, you know, I wonder if part of the reason also that the feast in Williamsburg was so prominently Italian is because the Giglio was involved. I wonder if, exactly. you know, kind of right, kind of like the idea that the church centers the neighborhood and when the church closes, the neighborhood kind yes. of does, too. So I wonder if that's yes. part of it. And, you know, it's something for us to, to think about and remember going forward. These traditions that keep us actually point. together. Yeah. Well, and it's a great feeling, honestly, to go somewhere and be in a place where everybody is is Italian and, and grew up kind of like, you know, more or less the way you did. And, you know, the traditions that you have, it's, it's a nice feeling and we don't get to have it every day. Absolutely. It sure is. And throughout the country, I mean, there's a gentleman and, and his name escapes me at the moment, but. By doing this, I've networked quite a bit with some like-minded people and people with similar passions. 
maybe you know him. Uh, he had visited, I believe, over 500 feasts. Oh, yes. Uh, over, I know him. the course of 20 years. Yep. Okay. We've talked to him and I've seen his film, actually. Yeah. You're talking about Paul Porcelli. That's it. I yep. haven't I haven't met him, mm-hmm. um, but I'm, he, he and I, I believe he's aware of me. I'm aware of him for sure. So that's just an amazing thing. And these feasts are just not just Brooklyn. It's everywhere all throughout the country. And, and that's really that's an amazing thing. And so I guess, you know, before you asked me, what else am I going to do to kind of preserve this stuff and push it forward in a different way? Well, it's it's really funny you ask, because if you go into Little Italy and Arthur Avenue in, or in Manhattan, there are a couple of them, and in Bensonhurst on 18th Avenue, wherever else, there are probably even more. There are stores where you can purchase Italian-themed items, whether they be books, shirts, so forth and so on. So these places are brick and mortar. And, you know, in a world where everything's going the way of e-commerce and moving online and the cloud and Amazon and all sorts of things like that, they're, they're really probably not sustainable, right? The, you know, these places are, the people yeah. have moved out, the items that they have are, are amazing, but, you know, there's rents to pay. These places generally are on the cusp of, of gentrification, so it's hard for them to kind of remain. So I've created an online store and I don't want to shamelessly plug it, but this is kind no, of how I, I plan on. So <laughs> <laughs> thank you, George. So in, in September, I'm rolling it out and it's going to be a platform where you can buy any books that are related by multiple publishing houses that are related to, to, to Italian theme, to the Italian theme, uh, any books that have been different publishing houses. There's going to be movies, documentaries from PBS, so on and so forth. And I'm also going to offer saint statues and this sort of thing. So I'm really trying to push people to go on and learn about their culture by getting involved and preserving their culture. I mean, in every home, I think we know that um, there have been saint statues in the beginnings uh, in in the front of all homes, uh, like the Madonna statues. But uh, nowadays, people don't do it that often, but they may have it in their house. So we're offering them that option. Uh, we're also going to be doing Italian food and recipes and, and, like I said, a reference guide for people to go out and, um, and and do their own kind of touring and find these Italian neighborhoods themselves. Sounds like a, an Amazon for Italian-Americans. I love it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> one-stop shopping spot online. That's terrific. Will you keep us posted when that's launched? And, and we'll certainly let our listeners know. Um, Ray, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. Just tell us where right now um, our listeners can find you. Where's your presence online? Okay, absolutely. So as of now, I have a Facebook page, it's Italian Enclaves, and an Instagram account, which is also Italian Enclaves. And the uh, the online store, which is going to act as like the main hub, is coming out in September. But for the meantime, please go check us out on Facebook and Instagram. Enjoy the photographs, enjoy the content. Uh, send me a message if you have any suggestions. I'm open to suggestions. Any places that you think uh, I might be interested in checking out uh, that I may have missed, uh, please uh, keep me abreast of, of any ideas, suggestions. I'm all yours. Terrific. And we'll link to your social media pages and such so that our listeners can find you. We'll, we'll do that in the show notes. Uh, Ray, thanks again. Great. I'm sure Thank the conversation Doris. will continue between us. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I want to keep you uh, filled in along the way. Thanks so much, Dolores. It means a lot. I appreciate the time today. It is now time for the Italian-American Story segment 
of the episode. This is the part of the show where we try to bring you back to your family gatherings or conversations. And we try to play a recording or a story from one of our listeners or our own relatives, or even read something that a listener submitted. And in today's segment, we are going to play a recording from a listener, Joseph Blonda Pintacuda Siami. And Joseph talks about when he went back to Italy to his ancestral village, it just talks about the warm reception and kind of this idea of you're really connected with those people, which is something that Dolores and I have talked about in many episodes. So we want to share it with you. Here it is. I am delighted to tell the story of my visit to Prizzi, a town in La Provincia di Palermo, where my grandparents, Andrea and Giovannina Blanda Pintacuda were born. And I made this trip in 2004 with 100 people. It was fabulous. The welcome that I received with La Banda Italiana, all dressed with red jackets and welcomed by the mayor. The mayor at that time was Luigi Vallone, who was a distant cousin of New York City past council president Peter Vallone. The amazing streets, the welcome, the music, the food, and of course, the surroundings were magnificent. I shall never forget it, and I shall never forget the fact that my grandparents, my mother's mother and father, came from such small beginnings to make it very well in America. For that, I am very grateful. All right. I hope you enjoyed the episode today. Now I'm going to kick it over to Dolores to take us out. Okay, Anthony, before uh, we do our usual wrap up, we do have some new reviews on iTunes. We haven't read from the reviews in a while, but of course, as longtime listeners know, we do like to share them with you guys and also just thank people for taking the time to review the show. We have great five-star reviews and people really take the time to tell us how the show's impacted their lives and how they feel about it. And we just want you to know that it matters to us. We read them and it gives us the strength to keep going. So because we haven't done it in a while, we're going to break it up. We'll read um, some of the other ones that are already up here in the next episode. And of course, if any of you decide to go to iTunes and leave a review as well, we'll get around surely sooner or later to reading those on air as well. Dolores, before you read them, I just want to say to the listeners that it does make a big impact because as much as Dolores and I love talking to each other for an hour when we do these things, <laughs> you know, we don't get direct interaction with our listeners like you might on like a call in radio show or doing something in person. And when we get to read the reviews, you know, I always like to say jokingly, you know, it reinforces that there's actually people on the other end, you know, right. because, because, you know, we're, we're re recording here together. So please, if you, if you have a chance and you want to leave us one, it's great. We do read them and, you know, we read a lot of them on the air. Um, and, and we just want to really let you know, we're thankful for that. All right. So our first one in this episode is from Jay Joe Carbone, and he gives us a five-star review and writes, Italian American podcast is for you. My one-hour walks each day have been so enlightened by this intelligent, insightful, and fun podcast by Anthony and Dolores. Interviews, stories, and discussions about current and historical Italian and Italian-American trends. As you listen, you'll feel the need to ask a question or interject a comment. Keep up the good work. 
Thanks for that. We appreciate it. And one more before we sign off today. This one is from Steve Italia. He says, feel like Anthony and Dolores are part of my family. We love that, don't we, Anthony? We hear that a lot. Absolutely. and, And we love it. Listen to this on my way to work every morning. The hosts bring back so many memories of being an Italian kid with the entire family around the table. They make me feel like I'm family. Can't think of a better compliment or a better thing to write. We really appreciate that. Yeah, it really reinforces the idea that we've discovered through this podcast and through our new neighborhood in that many of our family stories are so similar that we just... That's how come everyone relates to the podcast. And, uh, you know, anytime you go to an event and you're talking to other Italian Americans, it's very easy to relate to many of them and each other. I think because of that, because of what was said right there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well put. Okay. So as usual, we're going to let you know where you can find us on social media. We are on Instagram at Italian American. We are on Twitter at Ital American, and we are on Facebook at Italian American Podcast. Va bene. Va bene.